Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in the book of Esther. And I'm, I'm just going to read one passage of scripture. I'm just kind of coming in and um, I'm going to just pull one scripture out. And then I'll leave that for just a moment, but we'll, if the Lord will help us, we'll come back to it. I looked on the rain radar just before I came to the pulpit, and it uh, looks like it's going to be raining for a couple of hours, so I'll do my best to preach through that so that we can keep you dry. So you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. How's that? We may need an intermission or two, but... Uh, I do feel like yesterday that the Lord just planted something in my heart and I just want the Lord to help me to be able to convey what it is that I feel that he wants to speak to us today. Esther chapter 12 and chapter 2 rather in verse number 12 and it, the Bible says now when every maid's turn was to come to go in unto King Ahasuerus after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of women. For so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit or to know, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of women. And uh, th this is a real fascinating story and and it's just one of those stories that to be honest with you, I wasn't really sure where to land to try to start. I don't want to, I really don't want to try to preach the whole book of Esther, but I would encourage you to just read it one more time. It is a beautiful book and a tremendous story of um, so many, many storylines within it. But my, my subject today is simply going to be centered around this 12th verse of chapter 2. And it was here because of the need for a queen that many maids were called and they came to a house and they were to spend 12 months, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with sweet odors and other things, the Bible says, for the purification of women. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to speak from this subject this morning in the house of preparation. In the house of preparation, God was fixing to do something mighty through Esther. God was going to do something incredible through her. But he didn't just pick her up in a moment of time and set her down in another dimension. First, she had to spend 12 months in the house of preparation. I really feel the sweet presence of the Holy Ghost just right here, right now. I believe we're in the will of God today. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for your presence here and I'm asking you just to help all of us as we consider your word right now 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing in honor to the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I, I don't want to sound redundant, but the book of Esther truly is a fascinating book. It begins in chapter 1. And when we begin reading chapter 1, the king is throwing a, what turns out to be a six-month-long party. It's a six-month-long exhibition. And he is just kind of showing off all of his wealth and his success. And all of these people have been, all the who's who have been called in, gathered in. And they're going to see everything that he has. It was just a showcase all of the things that he had accomplished in his life. At the end of that exhibition, he threw a week-long drinking party for just whosoever will. Drinks on the house, wine flowing in the streets. While this was going on, his, according to Scripture, beautiful wife and the queen by the name of Vashti was she was entertaining the ladies. He's entertaining the men. However, when, when these men reached the peak of the party, the king came up with a, a very selfish, perhaps alcohol-induced idea. He decided that I'm going to bring my wife. I'm going to bring the queen, Vashti. I'm going to bring her in before all of my drunken friends, and I'm going to show her off. I want them to see the crown jewel in more ways than one. If you think everything you've been looking at around here for several weeks is something, I want you to see the crown jewel of my accomplishments. Her name is Vashti, the queen, and I want to bring her in. So he sends messengers to her and says, the king is asking you to come. And uh, she knew, she knew exactly what this was all about. There was nothing pure about this. There was nothing wholesome about this. And it seems to me in reading scripture that Vashti was more than just a pretty face. She was a lady of character. And she said, I'm not just coming in so your drunken friends can ooh and awe. You just send a message back to the king and you essentially let him know I won't be there. Well, this infuriated the king and embarrassed him, of course. He didn't anticipate that she would rise up against him and so he consulted with what we might refer to as the attorneys of the day and they reminded him, you know, King, if you let this go, all the ladies, I mean all the ladies, she's got all the ladies over here in this other, uh, this other place and, and uh, they, they heard her being bid. They heard her being summoned and they also heard her denial. And so if you, if you let this go, if you turn your head to this, then all of the women, they're going to lose not only respect for you, but they're going to lose respect for their husband. So something has to be done. So they decided that they would write a law or force a decree. And that decree was going to ban Vashti from ever coming back into the presence of the king. Her crown was going to be taken from her. And that would be that. And it seemed as though the problem was solved. And it was, sort of. But now the king is going to need a new queen. And therefore a message was sent out to many young maidens. I don't know, I read several varying accounts. I read as many as 200. But they came from various homes and various backgrounds. But they all came with one purpose. 
And that is that they all wanted to steal the king's heart because they all wanted to be the next queen. However, there is a price to pay if you're gonna sit on the throne. And this is where we pick up the story in our text from chapter two, verse 12. But I would like to just maybe take a couple of more steps back and see really how we got to this point. There was a man by the name of Mordecai and he had a beautiful young lady who is the center of our story that was an orphan, but she was a relative. We come to know her ultimately as Esther, but at a young age, orphaned and, and being raised by Mordecai. And in this story, it's almost something that you would think you would only find in a novel, but she ascended from nowhere. It is a true rags to riches story. It's a true story of someone that is the most unlikely deliverer but nevertheless, that's how God was going to use her and she ascended to the throne of the Persian Empire. And once she became queen, that's when her name was changed to Esther. And I think we would all agree that it had to be the providence of God that could take such an obscure Jewish orphan and then, and then not only set her up as the queen of Persia, that would be a wonderful story and a great book. We could just end it all right there. But God said, I didn't just bring you there so that you could dress nice and have respect, but I'm, I'm gonna bring you there because you're gonna become the deliverer of a nation. And so God has taken somebody that has been scarred, someone that's been wounded, someone that has been hurt and disappointed in all of the things that she had been through to date in her life made no sense, but God says, I'm gonna take every one of those scars and I'm gonna make something of you. Amen, this is how God works. When God finds a person whose heart is right toward him, and when God finds a person who is a, will make themselves available to be used by him, amen, I believe that God can allow their humility to escalate them to greatness. That's what I believe that God can do in the life of a person. If we could just say, you know, it doesn't matter my social or economic background. It doesn't matter my last name or how many degrees or pedigrees I may have. If I can just make myself available to God and I can keep a spirit of humility, then God can take someone from nowhere, amen, and he can make them something somewhere. That's what God can do. Amen, that's what God can do. You find it over and over and over in scripture. David said in Psalms 113, seven and eight, the Lord raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash. He seats them with princes and princes of their people. That's what God can do. He can just take a poor man. Amen, I know that's a relative term in our world today, but scripturally, when you're talking about a poor man, it was abject poverty. God can take a poor man from the dust and he can lift them up and he can set them down with princes and princes of their people. We see Joseph that went from a prisoner to a priest or a prince rather. We see Aaron that went from a slave in Egypt to a high priest. We see Saul. We know him later in scripture, but we need to be reminded that Saul was a very obscure Bible character until he comes on the scene. 
He comes on the scene, no one knows who he is, but God had taken him from obscurity to the throne of Israel. And David, the little shepherd boy, out in the middle of nowhere, God raised him, he meant to be a monarch. Daniel was a captive in Babylon, but even in Babylon, God said, I'm gonna lift you up to be the premier over Babylon. So that's just how God works if we're willing to recognize the house of preparation. When you cast your lot with the king of kings, and when I believe that you can become a star in the crown of the Lord. I think often people hold themselves back because they see their limitations and, and uh, they see how, uh, how maybe short they would come of the mark to be really truly used of God. But I think what we need to do with all humility, I believe what we really need to do is let God help God help us to see us as God sees us. Uh, there's a song that says he saw not what I was, he saw what I could be. And if we can stay humble in the sight of God, pliable, usable, moldable in the hand of God, then God sees not what we are now, he sees what we have the potential to become not just counting where we are, not just counting the maybe the true limitations that are there. I have heard many stories through the years and, and we, we don't hear it as much today because education is so readily available. But many decades ago, it was not uncommon to find men of God and women of God who were mightily used of the Lord that could not read or write, but God would would God, God would honor their, their submission to him and many of them were used greatly and mightily of God. I, I'm not promoting ignorance today or illiteracy. I think you know that. But I'm just telling you that they could say, how could I preach the gospel? Or how could I build a church? Or how could I do anything for the kingdom of God? But they just yielded themselves to the hand of the Lord and God anointed them. Amen. I know there are <clears throat> I know there are musicians that have given their lives of years and years and years of study and practice to be able to play whatever instrument. But I also know there are others that have just been divinely touched of the Lord that God anointed their hands because he needed their hands in that moment. It wasn't because God was honoring somebody lazy. He was just honoring somebody available. And the Lord said, I got a spot that needs to be filled and I see some hands that are able to do it and God can take that most unlikely source and use them. Amen. Throughout history, God has transformed the lives of many people and we certainly see that in scripture but we're privileged today because we don't just have to look at the book to see where God has used others. We know people that ourselves have been mildly raised up for such a time as this and God has used them. On the day of her ordination, so to speak, as queen, Esther must have seen and recognized the hand of God on her life. She is being transformed from an orphan in obscurity to the throne of a Persian empire. She is being brought out of, uh, of poverty. She is being brought out of, of, uh, of a circumstance and a situation where she felt abandoned and all along to be recognized and praised by the voices of thousands. The crown on her head, it was more than just a royal status. It was a divine appointment. The crown really had little to do with the gold or the silver or the jewels. There was a divine hand that placed that crown on her head. Esther had been crowned not for herself, but she had been crowned for her people. She had been crowned for her nation. 
God was on a mission and he was using her. She had been chosen to provide and to protect her own. Esther's lineages traced all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin. If you study the tribe of Benjamin, you'll find that the tribe of Benjamin produced many soldiers and many rulers. However, God was gonna take one out of that. She was not gonna be a soldier and she was not gonna be a ruler in the sense of we may think a ruler would act. Amen, God was going to use her in a very unique way. It was not going to be with swords. It was not going to be with spears. It was not going to be with shields. It was not going to be with shrewd leadership. This time, God was just going to crown a young lady queen. Amen, this would prove to be as as effective as any other sword, as any other warfare plan to date. Esther wasn't brash. She wasn't some cunning warrior. She didn't know how to sharpen a sword perhaps. She didn't really know how to strategize a plan for war. Hallelujah. That's why we read in the fourth chapter that Mordecai had to remind her at one point, amen, this is why you're queen now. This is why you're queen because we're working with imperfect clay. He reminded her, Esther, you've been raised to the throne for such a time as this. She was reminded that if you hold your peace now, if you stop now, if you get silent now, then the deliverance for the Jews, it's gonna happen because there's God's people, but it's gonna come from somebody else. You hear me today? Amen, I know that Haman had his gallows, and I know that Haman had a, that had, that Haman had a plan, but I'm gonna tell you God was gonna preserve his people, and I will say this to us today, that if we're gonna, if God said, sets us in a place of usability and then we decide that we're just gonna become mute and we're not gonna say it, that doesn't mean that the progress of the kingdom is gonna stop. It means that God's gonna reach around us and he'll elevate someone else. But I just wanna lift my hands today. I wanna join the writer of the songs that says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I don't want the rocks to cry out in my place. I don't want you to have to raise another generation to accomplish your will. I don't want you to have to raise another person to do your will. I feel the Holy Ghost in this today. Amen, God's will is gonna be done. The point is we've got a privilege to be a part of it today. God's will, it will be accomplished. The good news is he gave you and I the Holy Ghost. He gave us the power, amen, the revelation of truth. He gave us an opportunity to get on board. Hallelujah. I wanna do what God has called me to do. I want you to do what God has called you to do. And trust me when I say it, God has called all of us to do something. tell each and every person in this service today that God is working in your life right now for such a time as this. How are we going to make it through all these dark days? Oh, how are we going to make it through all these dismal times? 
all the uncertainty that seems to be blanketing our world. I remember attending a, a conference many years ago in, in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Sister Nan Pamer was the speaker that afternoon and she began to talk about all those sainted millions that have gone on before us and we read of their lives and we wonder how those three Hebrew children made it through the fiery furnace. We read and wonder how, Daniel, did you make it through that lion's den? We read of those in Hebrews 11, that roll call of the heroes of faith, and we wonder how did you survive the turmoil? How did you survive the path that you were walking? Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that you and I are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. <laughs> a great cloud of witnesses. We've got one generation, our generation that wants to get to heaven and find out how all of those made it. How did you survive the darkness? How did you survive the peril? How did you survive the pain? But I want to tell you that heaven is not going to just be a one-sided conversation because I believe that cloud of witnesses are going to look at us one day and they're going to say, how in the world did you survive 2020? How did you survive 21? How did you survive 22, I'm gonna tell you, I don't know how it's gonna work out, but if it works out this way, I believe if we were asking us how did we get by, how did we make it, how are we still standing in the face of all of this opposition, if we could just somehow pull out that leather book and say this is how we just decided that we were gonna stand on the word of God. We just decided that when everything else around us failed, we would just hold on to this. We decided when the economy went south, we would hold on to him. We decided that when our health was at risk, we would just put our trust in him. We decided that when the world was dark around us, that we would hold on to what David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm going to, oh, I tell you today, the spirit of God, it wants to illuminate us and electrify what his spirit can do in our lives. working for on us for our deliverance but he's working on us for the betterment of our family and our community for such a time as this God is blessing you and God is blessing me so that we can bless others I just gotta say that again God is blessing us but that's not so we can fat cat around look around and say well you know, I started out with a 1971 Ford Pinto, but oh, look where the Lord has brought me today and we can stretch out our chest and we can gloat. Amen, it's not to say, well, we started out in a little rent and mobile home and we were, just, we were just happy to be in out of the weather, but look where God has, no, 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 God didn't bless us so that we could sit around and stack it all up and pack it all away. God may have given you that raise on your job so that you could give more to me 
missions. Amen. God may have blessed you so you can bless others. God may he blessed you so you can bless your local church. Hallelujah. God said he did not going to bless us so that he could just bless us. The Lord said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 2, he said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I'm not just going to make you big, Abraham. I'm not just going to bless you in your home. I'm not just going to bless you and your family. I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. I've got something in my heart today burning like a fire. Oh, Lord. And so Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Joseph, Joseph, I mentioned him already. He was promoted. He wasn't promoted because he was so slick. He wasn't promoted because he was so good looking. He wasn't promoted because he had been done wrong as a child. No, he was promoted, amen, because God said, I need you to protect your family. I need you to preserve a lineage. Esther, amen, your crown, your crown, young lady, yes, you're beautiful. Amen, yes, you are here, but I'm gonna tell you the crown, this is not about you. This is not about you. It's for such a time as this. I believe our position in life, our jobs, promotions, our sphere of influence has all been given to us by the hand of God. And if you don't believe that, I fear for you. Whatever we have is because God gave it to us. Amen. We don't just dedicate children around here. We dedicate our cars. Amen, we dedicate a lot more than that in our own personal family. I'm not gonna push that off on you, but I believe what God has given us, amen, I wanna dedicate that back to God. Hallelujah. Amen, you won't spend those tires if you think that God gave them to you. <laughs> amen. Just slipped that one right in there. Actually, it just slipped out. Thank you for loving me. So here is Esther. While she is obviously everything she needed to become queen, hear me, she was still robed in one thing that was the most risky of all. Flesh. Flesh. She had all the trimmings for a queen. I don't want to get too far out here, but obviously she was a beautiful lady. In every fashion, in every way. But the very thing that was helping her was also the very thing that could potentially sink her flesh. She understood the law. She realized that she could lose her life by going in unannounced to the king. Think about this with me for a moment. This had been no small journey for her. She had been selected about among many young ladies to go to the house of preparation. That's my subject, the house of preparation. It was here that she would spend one complete year, one year preparing herself for one moment to go before the queen, the king. Six months of oil, six months of, of perfume. It was a season of cleansing and purification. It's an interesting study. I won't take the time to belabor it today, but it's a beautiful story and an interesting study. However, it was also a time this 12 months was not arbitrary. Nothing in scripture is arbitrary. 
this 12-month season, this was not a random thing by any stretch of the imagination because this was enough time, this 12-month block of time was enough time to prove to the king that she was not with child from another person, that indeed she was pure. She didn't just look pure, but she was pure. Amen. Just because she was in the house of preparation, however, didn't mean that she could was going to stay pure because you're going to take with you into that house of preparation your flesh, yourself, your will, your thoughts, your ideas. Amen. Are you with me? And so I submit to you this morning that just because you're in the house of preparation, we must never forget that we are still dwelling in a house of clay. Yes, she had a roof over her head, but she had flesh on her. Amen. She had flesh on her. I started this journey when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a young child. I've said it many times, raised in church. I had made always made the right decisions, not always turned the right direction but I always heard my whole life about heaven and I've always had a desire to go to heaven. Amen, not because of streets of gold and gates of pearl, I can't relate to that, but because of the spirit of what I feel when I've been raised in the house of God. Amen, I just knew that this was what heaven was gonna be all about. Amen, I started out this journey to make heaven my home. Amen, I think I'm not alone in that this morning, but can I remind you that we're not there yet. I didn't start the journey just to get baptized. If I had, the journey would be over. I didn't start the journey just to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If that was my goal, I've already there. I didn't start this journey just to have the Lord do some remarkable things in all of our lives. I started out because I believed from a child that heaven was real and that eternity was long. Amen. And that it was the thing that I needed to do. And I think anybody with any measure of understanding, amen, would have looked at Esther in the house of preparation and said to her, now Esther, as somebody older, Somebody with a little sage advice could have just kind of called her out and said, now Esther, I want you to understand something, young lady. Just because you're in the house of preparation, that doesn't mean that you're on the throne. It just means you're on the way to the throne. It means you're in a good place to get to the throne. I'm not trying to, uh, uh, I don't know what I, I don't know what the spirit of the Lord would do here this morning. I, I just want to challenge you with this, that just because you're here this morning and just because all is well with you now and you've got the Holy Ghost and a Holy Ghost experience today. Let me tell you something. That don't mean that you're not still in a house of clay. That doesn't mean you still can't sin. That don't still you mean you can't make wrong decisions. I'm talking about things that can go wrong, Brother Pope, in the house of preparation. I believe some sage aunt would have pulled her to the side. Some lady would have said, now don't you get too high-minded. Don't you think just because you're here among the chosen few that all is well. I'm not trying to put fear in your heart, but I want us to understand something. The trumpet hadn't sounded and until it sounds I want to, I don't want to, I want to realize that I'm just in the house of preparation right now. I want to make heaven my home. That means I need to be here. Amen. But that means I need to be living right when I leave here. I want to be here when we're worshiping. But it means I got to do right when I'm out of here because I'm in the house of preparation. Well, the good news is I'm not going to be able to last doing this for three hours, so you can just relax. Amen. This is not the time to grow complacent, and this is what I see in the church. 
I got the Holy Ghost, but if I'm at church, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. The trumpet hadn't sounded. We haven't made heaven yet. This is the house of preparation. I'll pray if I feel like praying. I'll worship if I feel like worshiping. I'll give if I feel like giving. I just want to get on top of this pulpit today and scream and say, wait, wait, wait. Don't get complacent. This is the house of preparation. Amen, we're still in a house of clay. Yes, Brother Jerry, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the Holy Ghost. Brother Trail, full of the Holy Ghost. Brother Bird, full of the Holy Ghost. Brother Fears, full of the Holy Ghost. Brother Larry, full of the Holy Ghost. Brother Chris, full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we're full of the Holy Ghost. We have a treasure in an earthen vessel. And I'm gonna tell you sometimes, I get shocked by just how earthen my vessel is. I get shocked by just how earthen my vessel is. You can remain seated if you want to, but I believe all of us could say that sometimes our flesh shocks us. Sometimes our flesh surprises us. Sometimes the thoughts that crosses our mind, we wonder where they came from. Sometimes we wonder, oh, oh, where did that come? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the treasure, but the tre- it came from not the treasure, but it came from the treasure being in an earthen vessel. It's in an earthen vessel. Oh. Mm. I believe I wasn't necessarily there and I certainly wasn't in your skin even if I was in the room. I wasn't in your skin when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost but I've been in an altar myself praying for the Holy Ghost and I was literally saying these things. Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do, Lord, if you'll just fill me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm gonna tell you while I wasn't there when you received it in your skin when you received it may not have heard you say those same words. I believe we share something in common today. I believe every one of us said or thought something very similar. I surrender all. Amen, just use my hands, use my feet. Oh Lord, just here I am, I surrender myself to you. And so I tell you, if that's what it took to get here, it's gonna take that and a whole lot more to stay here. Esther, it took six months of oil, six months of myrrh, it took a lot to get here. Almost, a, forgive the, the, the analogy, but if we're looking at it in a practical sense outside of the will of God, it almost seemed like a lottery situation. You know, just it's a roll of the die. It's just a flick of the spin of the dial. Just who's, who's going to be chosen? Because many went in unto the king. He said, no. Many went in unto the king. But I believe... That great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about will be saying some of the same things to the church. Don't get careless. Don't get complacent. You've got it easier than any other. We have it easier than any other generation. This summer we've had a, I'm going to just, I'm going to share a story here so we can all rest. (laughs) I'm just being honest. This summer, we've had a few air-conditioned issues in the youth tabernacle. And so we haven't been able to cool the building like we need to cool the building. But it's hard to cool any building with that many people in it being as radical as they've been being. 
And so when people have been coming to me with complaints, I said, well, we're doing everything we can. But just want to remind you, see those windows? There was a day that was plywood. They were hinged at the top and there was a pole and they opened, those elders opened those plywood windows and they propped them open. And it let out some of the heat but it let in all the mosquitoes in Berrien County. We're not doing too bad. It's just 76 in here right now. We're not doing too bad. We're going to be all right. Amen. I believe the great cloud of witnesses would be telling us, you've got it better than any generation has ever had it before you. Amen. I'm going to be just very honest with you today. I can preach this from this pulpit because this church has been around a few decades. There were, there were saints of God that walked to get to church and they got here when the doors were open and they brought their children and they gathered around and they worshiped when they got here. Hear me today, nobody's walking. We just walked to get to our car. Nobody's having to make the sacrifices. I'm not trying to be condemning this morning. I'm trying to tell you that we're in the house of preparation. This is not the time. This is not the time. This is not the time to fold our arms and say, I got bigger and better things to do. There's nothing bigger or better than eternity. There's nothing bigger or better than hell. There's nothing bigger and better than anchoring our families into the house of God. Nothing will be bigger or better than than telling ourselves to the pulpit. Nothing will be bigger or better than saying I've got to make heaven my home. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. And when I get here, I'm going to worship. If they're singing fast, if they're singing slow, I'm going to worship. I'm going to give it my all. If they're singing out of the hymn, uh, if they're singing a hymnal, amen, if they're singing a prayer, it don't matter to me. I'm just going to bathe myself. I'm going to dip down. It don't matter to me if the pastor's preaching. It don't matter if there's a guest speaker. It doesn't matter if it's one of the ministers in our church. Why? Because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in two the house of the Lord hallelujah I know I've preached this many times but let me just remind you David wasn't being cutesy when he said that I was glad when they said to me let us go into the house of the Lord because a child born out of wedlock meant ten generations couldn't go into the temple so you read the last closing words of Ruth the book of Ruth and you read down through the lineage and there you'll find the answer as to why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because heretofore, they had to stand on the outside and say, how was service today? I realize they didn't have church like we have church, but if I could just make it in contemporary language for us to understand it, how was the singing? Boy, it sure sounded good from out here. Oh man, oh, it felt good. David said, I was glad when they said, now David, you, your generation, you can go into the house of the Lord. Oh my Lord, we don't know what it's like not to be able to go. We don't know what it's like not to be able to have the opportunity. Oh, I must hasten. Amen. Esther here obviously was selected and she was crowned queen. However, it's important to know like you and me, now she's out of the house of preparation and she is in the throne room but she's still in flesh. Because you just can't move out of this house clay. 
In the end, Esther counted the cost. She called for prayer and fasting according to the law of the Persian Empire. All the people were forbidden to enter into the king's presence without an invitation, and that even applied to the queen. If anyone went into the king's presence unannounced, one of two things happened. Either the king would extend his scepter and entertain them as a guest, or he would not extend the scepter, and they would die. So there was no margin of error. It was very risky. So for her to enter into his presence could have proven to have been deadly. To be sure, her options were limited. Either you risk your life to save her people, or you save your life and you watch your people die. But even in the king's house, Esther was dealing with this house of flesh. Even in the king's house. Even though she had to wake up some mornings and go, how did I get here? Even though, Brother Williams, she had to know in her heart of hearts, there is something divine. I was an orphan. <laughs> the most unlikely candidate. And I'm in the palace? This is a God thing. But even in the king's house, she was dealing with flesh. Now the Bible is not clear about how much time Esther spent thinking over what she should do. But when Mordecai realized that Esther was waffling somewhat, that's when he sent her word. You need to realize for such a time as this, that's why you're here she was struggling because this was a serious thing. And I don't think Mordecai was trying to be cavalier about it either. But there had to be a voice of reason among all the confusion. She called for a time of prayer and fasting. And this is what she came out of that prayer of fasting and season. That prayer and fasting season with. If I perish, I perish. Three Hebrew children, those boys, those men. Well, we're not going to be eating that meat. Lord, he can save us, but if he don't, we still won't be eating the meat. Daniels, I realize I'm still going to be praying. Lions then, okay, understand this. But you know what, David wasn't just the only, I mean, uh, Daniel wasn't just the only one convinced of that. You read that scripture. The next morning, the king didn't sleep all night long. There was no one in that story more convinced that Daniel was going to be spared than the king who threw him in. No one. No one. That's another whole message I just thought of all by myself. I believe I can do this. She had counted the cost. I'm going to trust the Lord. The Lord to protect her from the possible tyranny of the king of Persia. You see, it wasn't for her living or dying. That, that wasn't what mattered. It was the will of God. We're, we're in a protected bubble in America to some degree, have been. Because no one stopped us from coming to the house of worship today. I'm not undermining the pandemic. But that wasn't armed guards out there keeping us out. It was just stuff. Things keeping us out. But there are people today that understand the tyranny of what they're up against in certain countries and they're worshiping today. 
she realized she was being called on to protect the Jews. And with that, she put on her royal attire, went to the king's throne room. And what happened right here is significant. I know I've been preaching a while, but that's because you, you made me. <laughs> this is not a story of a lady that finally mustered up the courage to do the right thing. No, no, no. This was the story of a lady that learned how to die to herself and how to deal with that house of clay. This was a lady that learned what to do when you're in the house of preparation. The house of preparation, the oil, the myrrh. All of that was to deal with flesh. Oh, man. We've got to clean this flesh. We've got to odorize this flesh. We've got to prove this flesh is pure. The house of preparation was all about dealing with flesh. It was John the Baptist who came to that same conclusion in John 3 and 30 when he said, he must increase and I must decrease because there's a greater cause. There's a greater goal. The church today must make a similar choice. Are we going to live for ourselves or are we going to be like Esther? in our generation are we going to stand up for those who need us because I believe I'm just crazy enough to believe Acts 2 that there are still some far off and just because there's vacancies on these pews this morning doesn't mean they're always going to be vacant because there are those that are far off so what are we going to do we're going to keep unlocking those doors. We're going to still turn those lights on. And we're going to come in not with our heads bowed and our shoulders shrugged. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're going to walk into the house of preparation because it matters what we do in the house of preparation. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And I'll ask you to stand. My Lord, I feel like the Holy Ghost has spoke something to us today. Esther was in a difficult place and I don't think we should ever underestimate that. She was in a place that many would have deemed impossible but this right here at this little intersection of can't be an impossible that's where God just does his best work. Right there at that uh 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 God can just step right in. Right there at that intersection of Moses' law says she should die for the sin of adultery. Jesus did his best work. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. She was in a place that many would have deemed impossible. Esther knew where her strength was and, and so she called on these Jewish people to fast and the fast was to abstain not only from the pleasures of the flesh but, the, but to focus on the things of the spirit. And I think that's important. My, my topic is not fasting today but you can't just stop eating. It's not just about abstaining from the pleasures of flesh but it's, it's a time to focus on the things of the spirit to avail ourselves of that. 
that fast was to humble the body and the spirit. And I, I believe that we can see many great believers throughout history have utilized the weapon of fasting. And all throughout Bible history and our history, we find people who have used fasting as a formidable weapon. And in the end, Esther went to the king. And it was as though God for real was in this. When she walked through the door, and Brother Everett, I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that Esther was perhaps one of the most beautiful women of that day. But it wasn't beauty that caused him to reach for the scepter. It wasn't her charming smile. It wasn't the batting of her eyes. It wasn't how she walked or carried herself. But it was the divineness of the moment that directed his hand to the scepter and he reached forth and welcomed her. She shared, she shared the story of how Haman had already prepared the gallows to, to kill her people, the Jews. And with that information in hand, as only God could do. God directed the king to have Haman and all of his followers hanged on those very gallows. In the end, a nation was spared. What a beautiful story. However, the point of the message today has not really been about deliverance. It's been about those critical moments where Esther stood so close to victory but she wasn't there. She was in the house of preparation, but she hadn't been chosen. And then she was in the palace, but she hadn't been accepted. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Paul said, in Galatians 5 and 7, you did run well. You did run well, but who did hinder? What hindered? You started out good, but what hindered? I'm going to tell you today, church, we're not there yet. So don't get so intoxicated by the fact that you're here today and everything's going well that we can take it or leave it, buy in, not buy in. We can worship if we want to. We can pray and have devotion home if we want to. Or we can just be carnal as everything if we want to. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're in the house of preparation. And our flesh can fool us. Heart. It's deceitful. Evil. Deceitful. Wicked. That's what the writer said. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. But God... Had another writer to say, but God is greater than your heart. Amen. I believe that we ought to just gather around the front if you want to join us today. And let's magnify the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. 
Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.